Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. It is our number two of your Tuesday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson back in once again for Patrick Maher. Patrick on his, uh, his little weekend. He's back on Thursday. Michael Lombardi with us. Uh, today on the show, and if, in case you missed it here at the top, early our big injury news of the day, Cooper Cup to undergo ankle surgery tomorrow. That just being reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN within the last hour. Set to go on IR and an already disastrous season. Michael getting even worse here for the Rams as I update the, the screen right in front of me. We're now up to fours, basically uh, blanketing the screen on Rams and Saints. So that is your big mover of the day. If you're just joining us right now, Saints, as much as they have been unreliable, Michael, in the last two weeks have exemplified that. Uh, no more so than uh, that at any point in the season. You'd have to think the Saints would uh, would be the look here at laying the four. Well, I think you have to, and I, I'm not sure it's going to stop at four. I think it gets to four and a half before before it goes back to three and a half. You know, because look, look, the you take away Cup. I mean, you know, even if Stafford comes back, he wasn't throwing the ball to anybody else. And how many times can Sean McVay call screens? They can't throw the ball. You know, they can't run the ball, so he's calling screens, doing everything he can, and the line isn't going to get any healthier. So. The problems, this continue to mount. Look, let's say this about the Rams. They won the Super Bowl. They did a wonderful thing. They take such great pride in trading away the draft picks. They got T-shirts, great. But at the end of the day, it's not sustainable. It's proven it's not sustainable, and it will never be sustainable. It can give you the quick fix, which it did. It did, and it did a wonderful job. Could you yeah. imagine if they would have traded away one, two ones for Brian Burns right now? <laughs> I mean, thank God Carolina t- didn't take the deal. I mean, where would they be? They'd have a good player in Burns, but they have a bad team. I mean, Burns is on a bad team, and he's a good player. You know, they're struggling. So, But I, I think this, more than anything, I, I think when you watch this Ram team, there's just, A, the Super Bowl hangovers there, and I'm not sure McVay's really – I didn't feel like he's, he knows what's ahead of him. And it's, it's really a challenge. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a really hard time. And, look, without draft picks and without draft capital – that's the other thing. They have two of the things they don't have. They got all this money tied up in about four players. Makes it tough. But at the same time, flags fly forever. And you can't blame the Rams for doing what they did. It's just, you look now, I mean, wouldn't you say probably the uh, the biggest uh, you drop off from Super Bowl champion 
to bust the next year, at least in recent times. The I mean, the 03 Bucks that went 7-9 and nine after beating the, uh, the Raiders, the franchise you were part of back in the 2002 Super Bowl, go 7-9 and nine the next year, kind of fell apart there under John Gruden. But, I mean, the Rams are... The way this is going for the Rams, it'll make that Bucks season look like just a small drop-off, essentially, when you compare the I, two. I mean, I've been there before, right? So we went to the Super Bowl to play the Bucks in 02. And, you know, the next year, the ne- very next year, you know, Bill Callahan didn't get his contract extended for the win, for, for taking a team to the Super Bowl. And the, the whole team kind of fell apart. And I think we won like three games that year, I want to say, maybe four. We were horrible. We weren't very good. And, and you know, and then from that point on, this Raider franchise has gone well downhill other than the two seasons. I mean, that year we were 4-12. and 12. We were 4-12 and 12 and, and really struggled. I mean, it was hard for us. And then, you know, the next year we went 5-11, and 11, couldn't get it. It just couldn't get it going again. It, look, you know, when you go all in and then it's great, but one of the things that's happened for them very fortuitously is they haven't gotten any injuries, the Rams, until this year. Until this year. We all kept saying they're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt. And they never did. And this year finally showed up. Normally, the whole, whether you have the right or wrong side of the injury luck variance, that usually evens itself out. It has evened itself out in a a pretty massive way as far as regressing to the mean, if you want to phrase it like that, uh, for the Rams injury-wise this season. Again, Saints now minus four against the Rams in that spot on Sunday. The big matchup in the NFC, though, that we talked about with Will Hill in our last segment, I, I have a feeling, based on your, your initial reaction here, Michael, to Cowboys-Vikings, uh, your line's probably going to be a couple points off from where the market is here. It's Cowboys minus one or one and a half. One and a halves uh, at, a, at a couple of books, including right behind me here at Circa. Uh, what's your line on this game, and, uh, and what do you expect in the matchup? Well, because... You know, because of the one and a half, I, I have Minnesota should be the Minnesota for me should be the favorite by one and a half. You know, I mean, I have this is a very even game. And, and because of it, I think because they're playing in Minnesota, I think Minnesota should be the team. I'm surprised the line hasn't moved. I, I, I think Minnesota and Tennessee are two teams are very similar in the sense that nobody wants to be left holding the bomb when when it goes off, when Minnesota finally doesn't play well, you know. And I thought it went off last week when it's 27 to 10. I thought, okay, Minnesota's, they've run out of gas, right? But they came back. Now, you know, our man turns down three points to go up 30 to set, to go up by 13. Why? I don't know. He's never explained it. No one's asked him. I don't understand it. Like, what's wrong with going, you know, if he goes up 30 to 30, 17, you know, he, he's going to win the game. He wins the game by, he wins the game by, well, you know, he's up by five. Right. You know, at the end of the game, he could have taken a safety there. You know, I know you don't want to do that, but my point is, you know, I think it just was a mistake. So, I, 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 I don't know. Minnesota, to me, this would be probably a no play. I don't trust either team. I, I really tr- struggled to watch what Dallas tried to do. You know, I, especially why would they try to get back to something? Why are they throwing it 40 times when the strength of their team is running the football? And the one thing that we probably overlooked coming into the Dallas Green Bay spot was you see this time and again, you can certainly speak to this from your experience in the front office, Michael, when you have a team that's playing so well going into the bye and you take that week off, every once in a while you do see those teams look a little bit rusty in that first game back. And it, it just had that feel like Mike McCarthy's team. They weren't ready to go. I mean, the first quarter was just a disaster, and yet it was still nothing, nothing. They were so fortunate 
to not go down more in that game. And with the way they collapsed in the fourth quarter as well, you have to have you know serious questions. I would think about uh, just the, the makeup of that team where you have the personnel, you have the talent, yet uh, as much as we've sort of neglected to even mention McCarthy and his lack of in-game management, that was the first time it really bit Dallas in the rear on Sunday. So you complete that with a Minnesota team that finds a way to navigate themselves into all these one-possession uh, spots. And as much as I would say, yeah, the, the trying to pick a side on a one-point line game where you feel like this has to be probably a three- or a four-point game, you'd have to, you know, if you're making me pick, though, you have to give the edge, right, to O'Connell and, uh, and Minnesota, even if there's still that sense that they haven't been all that convincing, as we've talked about basically every week on this show. Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't, but they win. And, you know, and they're – like their power rank to me is the is the is the fifth best team in the league. Their their game codes are the fourth or the fifth best best team in the league. They're, they're the fifth best team in the league in terms of game codes. They've got six areas of strength. They've got eight areas of of almost strength, and they only have one red area. And so they're really good. So I I think to me we tend to because that they 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 punt so much or we watch them punt so much they have so many it's either feast or famine with Minnesota and that right. famine causes us to back away from them but yet I think they're good I mean they're good they put pressure on Josh Allen they got him on the ground you know they made plays when they had to make plays and even they didn't give up when they're down twenty seven to ten I mean they came roaring back so I, I give them credit I think McCarthy in that game though. Like for me, McCarthy, I, I wasn't sure he should have kicked the field goal there. I, I didn't, I wasn't bothered by going for it there. No, I'm with you. Because I think, yeah. I think the where they are on the field in that stadium, he knows the wind better than anybody there. Like, and he also watched his kicker kick in pregame. So I, I thought the chances. Now I didn't like the result, but I thought the chances of making the kick and then giving Aaron Rodgers that great field position, those seven yards mattered. Totally with you. And it's, we saw, I mean, Mason Crosby in the first quarter when the weather was presumably a little bit better, basically a kick from the same distance was not even close from, uh, from 54. And we saw, you know, we saw the decision the, from Green Bay. And the wind, and the wind was right. We, and McCarthy talked about the wind was bad. I mean, the wind was coming in that direction. You know, that's why, that's why when they won the toss, you know, Green Bay took the, put them into the wind. Now, you know, on Sunday, on, on Thursday, you know, we're going to have 24 degrees. It's going to be cloudy, and the winds are going to be 14 mile an hour. That Yeah, look, that that's not – to me, that's not the part of the, the sequencing late game that you have to have an issue with McCarthy on, even though that's what everybody immediately said. Oh, how can you go for it there? I, I agree with you on that. It's more when you're up 28-14 and you know you're facing a team that is, is as one-dimensional as Green Bay is, certainly credit Christian Watson for, you know, for making two very incredible individual plays – uh, to burn defensive backs down the field. But uh, to let the Packers march down, you go nine play, 76 yard, 10 play, 89 yard drives when you pretty much knew the one thing Green Bay could do. And they, they did not really even try to stop them in that regard. Yeah, well, they tried. They just couldn't. I mean, they couldn't get their, they couldn't get their alignment right. They couldn't plus their defense. They didn't get into the right gaps. Guys were taking chances. Guys were doing things. You know, they're operating on their own. You know, they kind of do what they, they're not taught to do. And Quinn didn't really have an answer for it because the answers, the players were kind of, I think Makai Parsons came out this week and said it. They're trying to do the things that they, you know, that they weren't really capable of doing. So I, I think to me, that's, that, that's, that's something they got to get straightened out this week. And right. if Minnesota tries to throw the ball as much as, you know, as, as, as some other teams, then this rush will take over for them. 
but I don't know if that's the case. You know, I think Minnesota is going to play a little bit more concern, run the ball against the Dallas team, which is vulnerable to the run. You would think, too, after Dalvin Cook had a, a very solid game. I know a lot of those yards came on the one big 81-yard uh, rush, but still, even though they weren't running much because of the game state, when Minnesota tried, they were having success, over 150 rushing yards in the spot. The, the other point on Dallas, too, and you know, maybe this gets lost a little bit in the whole you know, talking about McCarthy, but Dak Prescott, I mean, two really bad interceptions where you could make the case yeah. if either of those picks aren't thrown, we're probably not even having the McCarthy discussion That's because right. the game's probably That's over. Right. The game, so I mean, look, Dak's got to take responsibility. They were, they were, they were bad. If Cooper Rush made those throws, we would be all over Cooper saying he's not good enough. I think the stat I saw, and our program director John Goulet had tweeted this out: worst third down, third or fourth down completion percentage in a single season is Tim Tebow from 2011. Uh, Dak Prescott is like a percentage point above Tebow for worst all time Ooh, in a single season. Not a good sign if that's the sort of uh, company you're tied in right there. When we return, though, to the show, we have a couple of divisional matchups that are rematches from earlier this season. We'll get Michael's takes on time number two through the order when we return. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. The World Cup countdown is on, and now is the time to get your copy of our World Cup betting guide. We have in-depth analysis from Nigel Seeley on all eight groups. VSIN's team of experts provide their picks and predictions for every group and the Golden Boot Award. And if you're new to betting World Cup soccer, don't worry. Josh Applebaum, who joins our show in the next segment, will break down everything you need to know. The only way to get the guide is to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Sign up now for just $99 and get VEASAN Pro access for everything we do all the way through the Super Bowl. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Want more World Cup betting insight? Check out our World Cup betting preview show on YouTube that Patrick Maher is hosting. Just subscribe to VEASAN Live on YouTube. And our producer of this show, the Lombardi Line, Matt Santos, is also in charge of producing that show. So great work by Matt. I had a chance to check that out. Great stuff there. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure, Michael. Once the World Cup starts next week, you and I are we're going to be like break. Yeah, you want to be breaking half to, uh, halftime lines, right? Of like Ecuador, Qatar. That seems right up your alley, Michael. 
Yeah, right. I mean, Mike Palm and Patrick, those two guys, they're good at it. I mean, yeah. we have a lot of people that are good. Nigel Seeley does great work for our network. I think it's awesome, but don't listen to anything I say about that, yeah, please. Do not listen to anything Michael is saying. Well, I'll put that out there right now. Uh, yes, you can check out, though, the uh, the first uh, the first episode of that on our, uh, our YouTube page. Excuse we me. return. Uh, Michael, we're looking at some of these divisional rematches this week, and we'll see one. Uh, we, we already heard Will Hill's thoughts on it. In Chargers and Chiefs, you get a, an interesting sequencing of schedule here for the Chargers. You go back-to-back Sunday night football, which you usually don't see, but this game flexed into the Sunday night position as Kansas City and the Chargers played that weird Thursday night game back in week two. Justin Herbert played through his initial rib injury, was able to get a backdoor cover in that game as the Chiefs were comfortably in front, hung on late to win. Uh, now you go into SoFi Stadium here for the rematch. This was a Thursday night game last year. That was similarly crazy and back and forth. We remember that game as the the branded Staley fourth down a Palooza game. And it's Chiefs here minus seven uh, against the Chargers. Uh, what do you make of the spot first off for L.A. Uh, coming off a, a pretty game effort against San Francisco where they end up losing by six with all those guys injured? Well, you mentioned it in the last block about these teams coming off a bye, you know, that were not really, you know, they're not in sync. You know, we yeah. saw it with Dallas. I think San Francisco really didn't play well in the first half particularly. I thought – you know, they gave up too many passing yards to Herbert against receivers that they should be able to kind of handle. I guess the question for me about this game is, are they going to be able to – who's playing wide receivers? Keenan Allen? I mean, this hamstring for Keenan Allen now is going on. I've never seen hamstrings in the National Football League last this long. I mean, when I was at the Raiders' practices this summer, Darren Waller had a hamstring. He just went on IR last week for a hamstring. It's been the same hamstring. Like, it, it just hasn't gotten any better. Just Keenan Allen had a hamstring after in week one during the game. We're in week 11. It's still the same hamstring. Like, I don't understand how this is going on. Like, I, I mean, they're soft tissue injuries. You can come back from those. But, you know, he's not there. I saw Mike Williams was working out on the field last week. He's still not there. He's not ready. I mean, how do they go in there and, and take away a team that wants to play man-to-man, wants to attack your protections, and, and find success. I think one of the areas of liability for the Chargers is they don't have another back to go with Eckler. I think Eckler is, is the perfect complement back, and complement doesn't mean less plays. Complement means somebody else do some heavy lifting with them, one-two punch like he had when Melvin Gordon was there. I think they don't have that, and I think that becomes problematic, especially when they need to kind of balance the game up and not make it a 50-pass game. Right. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, your, your former Patriot, Tony Michelle. Uh, Larry Roundtree, f- fellow Missouri Tiger, my uh, my uh, alma mater. Those are the guys, but they haven't been realistic options uh, to throw in the games. You probably it probably comes down to though the just the pass protection where we've been really critical of uh, the Chargers with all the injuries when Rashawn Slater as a left tackle hits the IR. Uh, when you have you, know, you have uh, Trey Pipkins who's been battling injury, he's listed as questionable right now at right tackle. All things considered, and maybe this speaks to some of the rustiness coming out of the bye. Chargers held up for the most part pretty well. I mean, probably compared to what your expectations would have been against San Francisco. You wonder how that now goes forward against Kansas City, a team that really was able to get after Trevor Lawrence early and often in that game, disrupt his rhythm for Jacksonville and make that a pretty comfortable cover in the end there for the Chiefs. You know, but I think all these games, when you get into these kind of games where these two teams that know each other, they play one another, they know the chess moves, they kind of have a rhythm for the play calls – you know, it kind of gives them a sense of, okay, they're usually closer games. And I think to me that's why that seven number is interesting that it hangs there, you know, because I, I feel like the Chargers will play. This is 
the Chargers will play, I think, as as well as they possibly can. And all of this is going to come back down the, the, to their player, their injuries. I mean, the guys that the, the, the two players that kill the Chiefs more than any two players are Mike Williams and Turner and, and Keenan Allen. I mean, they 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 do a great job against the. They're they're big, they're physical, and they're in. They're always kind of Mike Williams, not as much, but they're always kind of cr- covered. But they make plays. He doesn't have those two guys. I think you got to look long and hard at taking the at taking the uh, at taking laying the seven. Right, Allen Williams and Gerald Everett, the tight end. Those three all questionable right now. I uh, just looking to see uh, you know updating the screen on where the market has gone early. There hasn't really been a ton of movement here. It's open seven basically everywhere. I see uh, one book on the East Coast down down to six and a half. But for the most part, we're at a blanket seven everywhere. The- for that divisional rematch. that charger line last week didn't move until Sunday when it went yeah. to seven and a half. I mean, that, that's you know, we talk about bad beats. I mean, is there a worse beat than that one last week? San Francisco Charger game? I mean, <laughs> if, if yeah. suck up just makes the extra point, it's you're pushing at least if you took the seven, right? And they're two for the San Francisco was two for five in the red zone. I mean, the you know, at the end of the game, they have the ball down there. You think it's going to be an easy walk in touchdown and they have to settle for the field goal. Right, what third? Yeah, second and goal inside the three, and they end up uh, settling to to go up by six. Do not at least get the push for the people who bet the Chargers uh, minus seven. Yeah, well, or for the Niners, I should say minus the seven. We'll see how that plays out this week. Again, no real early movement. Injuries are going to be a big thing to to track though in that rematch at SoFi Stadium. The other rematch we're going to see it's the Jets off of a bye now, mm-hmm. taking on the New England Patriots in a a line that is seeing a little support here. At least based on the uh, open, Michael, this was Patriots three and a half. We saw a lot of those gobbled up, though, for the rematch at Foxborough. Yeah. Pretty much down to three. Some juice still to the favorite. But as we'll show you on your screen at Tibet MGM, this is pretty much a flat three, minus 110 on both sides. Uh, essentially saying, I know we don't talk about home field advantage being worth a full three points anymore. Uh, but still, this is your, your standard three-point line here with the Patriots at home. And look, let's face it, the Patriots, I don't know how you could give them three points for playing it. They haven't played well at home. I mean, they really haven't. They lost to Baltimore at home. You know, they haven't played their best. They played actually better football on the road. Now, I know they dominated Detroit at home, but they haven't been very good at home. You know, so far that they lose to Baltimore, they beat Detroit, and they lose to Chicago in the last game. Now, they killed Indianapolis. So, you know, I mean, look, the Jets, this game is about, if you if you want to play this game and you like the Jets, you're saying to yourself, we're going to eliminate Zach Wilson from the game. He, the last time we played him, he killed us. So we're going to we're going to not going to let him turn the ball over three times. We're going to try to run the ball, even though we only ran it for 51 yards in that game. We've got to try to run the ball uh, because if we don't, he'll turn this over. And we've got to play better run defense than we did the last time. If we play run defense, we'll win the game because they didn't throw the ball worth a darn against us. They got points without even getting a first down against us the last time they played. And so I, I think that's kind of what we're looking at. I think it's all about Zach Wilson here. And I think after that game, the Jets decided to not allow Zach Wilson to participate. And if they don't let Zach Wilson play in the sense of giving him a lot of easy throws, willing to walk away from third down and don't turn the ball over, I think this is going to come down to the last second. Who makes the field goal? Who does it? And we've also seen teams show ability to run on New England 20th defending the run heading into the bye those numbers had gotten better at one point they were bottom three yeah. or four in the league so i, think I wonder those numbers where, are yeah. mis- i think those here's why i think that you got to be real careful with those numbers right so those numbers are 188 yards against baltimore right yeah. those numbers are 243 against chicago you got that's the six back offense 
right? That was the, now Green Bay ran the ball on them for a nine at one ninety nine, but they're hard to run the ball on them. They really are, especially a two back attack. But when you when you add in that one eighty eight into your numbers and you add that two forty three in your numbers, and that's a six back offense. The Jets aren't running a six back offense, and that's exactly why we wanted to bring that up because in the first meeting. Jets only carried it 15 times for 51 yards. Zach Wilson throws 41 times in that first game, three interceptions. It's you look at the game logs too for Wilson in these games that the Jets are winning. Throws for 154, one touchdown, no picks, and a win against the Bills. 121, no touchdown, no picks against the Broncos. 110, no touchdowns, no picks, and a win against the Packers. Uh, 210, no touchdowns, no picks against the Dolphins. It's as as much as it seems obvious to say, well just make him put you in positions to not lose or choke the game away. That's kind of what it is when you watch Wilson and the way the Jets have game planned around him. I mean, look, they held the, they held New England to 3.8 yards per play, right? The last time they played. They, had, they were at 6.7 yards per play against New England. They had 22 plays in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter. They had the interception. They, 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 they lost the ball on downs, and they had a punt. So they did. They turned it over in the fourth quarter. They didn't win it. They had seven first downs. They couldn't make a play. And then on four, on third down, they're five for fourteen. I mean, this was a game that really the Jets dominated. If you just take Wilson's mistakes out of yeah. them, they, I mean, from remembering watching the game, they looked like the better team. The Jets did. It was the mistakes that killed them, and that so often is the case in NFL matchups. We'll see where the market goes with this. Again, Patriots open minus three and a half, down to three. That's where we sit right now. Jets Patriots, our second divisional rematch coming up in week 11. On the other side, Josh Applebaum, host of VEASAN Morning Daily Bets, stops by. He's got some week 11 thoughts already. We'll hear from Josh next here on the Lombardi Line. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VEASAN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round, so check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com our pro tip of the hour which we have each and every hour for you 20 times a day here on the network as we return to the lombardi line when you're looking at these rematches within the division in general tend to play tighter the second time around but make sure you're looking at the history between the two teams specifically and comparing the box score from from game one and the results and, and kind of what you're expecting uh, to go on in, in the second matchup. It's not always the same as you know, Michael, but there are some similarities that I'm sure you've seen over, you know, over your decades of being in the league that generally tend to play out over time. Well, I, I think like last night, we saw it with, with Washington in the sense that they played Philly week two. They kind of got an idea about the speed of Philadelphia's mm-hmm. team, what they wanted to do, how it was all going to play out. And I'm not saying they played great defense because I did. They didn't win that game with their defense. They won that game with their ability. They, the, the Philadelphia turned it over. We saw that they made a couple great plays, but also, you know, their ability to control the football 40 minutes with their with their offense. And as a result, we we will see if that manifests this week. Where the Chargers and Chiefs? That was a game we were kind of using this uh, tip to illustrate last segment. A lot of the way they have played and the adjustments that you normally see between those teams, at least in recent history, have been very very tight here especially in the second meetings these past couple of seasons. Uh, as we welcome in Josh Applebaum, host of VEASAN Morning Daily Bets and the Market Insights Podcast. There's Josh. 
popping up on our screen. Uh, we were just talking Patriots. Josh, Josh, uh, Josh, that's one of our divisional rematches for this week. And it looks like some uh, some early movement here to the Jets as we've seen this come from Patriots three and a half down to three. Yeah, Ben and Michael, it's great to be with you. And just as Michael said, kind of a rematch looking at a tighter game round two. I think this is an opportunity here to look at the Jets, guys, because if you look at kind of the way this line opened, it opened as high as Patriots laying five and a half, laying five. You immediately saw this thing get down to three. Now it is juiced up on the Patriots side, minus three at minus 115 or minus 120. Like it may get back to three and a half. So I think if you like the Jets, you probably hold out for the hook here, guys. But this is exactly what Michael was talking about because remember game one, uh, the Patriots won at the Jets. Uh, Zach uh, Wilson threw a bunch of interceptions that game. This one here with a tighter number, you have a lot of dog systems here toward the Jets. If you actually look at divisional dogs, guys, they've been fantastic this year. You did have Washington cover last night, but divisional dogs this season are now 30 and 17 against the spread 64%. I think if you hold out and get the Jets plus the hook, I'd be looking at the Jets plus three and a half. And we'll see. Yeah, the last time they the last time they played it was the circa the circa line. The last time they played was uh, I got it here in my notes. The last time they played circa had this at a two point five game. The Patriots yeah. were the road favorite, so obviously there's been some adjustment as they now are home and only a three point favorite. But I, I I think to me when you watch the game, the better team that day was the 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 Jets in terms of the yards and all that the better situational team was clearly New England who took advantage they they kept kicking field goals they weren't going to settle for you know going for it on fourth down and they were able to to come away the victor one thing I do know is New England needs to straighten out their offense there's no doubt and they've got to come back the second half of the season with a better passing game than they had in the first half yep as Circa was just making sure to, to compare these as Josh mentions you always check openers can can really widely vary depending on the book how quickly they put up the lines for the books a lot of them here in Nevada who wait a little bit longer put them up either Sunday night or as the South Point does our sister studio across town they wait till Monday mornings after our guessing line show with Gil Alexander and Chris Andrews, they opened uh, three and a half circa opens four here. And then that gets bet down to three and a half. And now uh, the three Josh, the other game that we we've had, we've had some discussion on, and I know you have some thoughts early in the week, <laughs> Cowboys Vikings with the Vikings here, a short home dog taking on Dallas fresh off that loss in green Bay. What do you make of the early movement there? So you guys know me, I'm always looking each week for obviously system matches, but also games that are really fishy and make no sense. And those are the games that really get me the most excited. I'll give you an example from last week, Tom Brady in Germany, where that line was, you know, bucks minus one and a half, got up to two and a half or even three. Why was that important? Because the public thought the wrong team was favored uh, and took the points there with Seattle, but the line kept going to Brady. Brady ends up covering that number. So the one that jumped out to me, guys, as you mentioned, Dallas and Minnesota, this line makes absolutely no sense, which is why I actually like the Cowboys in this one. And Ben, when we're betting NFL, obviously we're so recency biased toward what did you do for me last week? So this is a spot where the public is saying, again, wrong team is favored. Give me Minnesota. Why is Minnesota getting a point? This looks like the most obvious play in the world to take Minnesota. They've won seven straight. They shocked Buffalo 33 to 30 there as a six and a half point road dog. Meanwhile, Dallas lost the one to Green Bay. They probably should have won. They were three and a half point favorite in that one. There was some late movement toward Green Bay, but Dallas ends up losing that one. 30 to 1 to 20, 31 to 28 in overtime. So we have a Cowboys team coming off a bad loss when they were favored and expected to win, playing a red hot Vikings team that had a big win there in Buffalo. But yet, what's the line telling us? What's the market telling us? This game opened a lot of books around to pick them. We've now seen the Cowboys go to minus one. There are sometimes, or some shops that even went to one and a half here. So this just is like almost from a, a public perspective, it feels like the books are begging you. You got to take the Vikings. This is so obvious. Take Minnesota here. But the fact that you're still having Dallas as a short favorite. Coming off a loss when you have majority bets here on Minnesota, 
I'll go Cowboys in this one, guys. They're only getting 30% of bets, yet they're still hanging that very, very short favorite number. They're actually getting upwards of half the money. So that's kind of a good contrarian fade the trendy dog, contrarian favorite with a little bit more money than dollars. Uh, to me, this is one of those fade the trendy dog plays. I'd be looking at Dallas on the money line. Makes no sense. I want the side that doesn't make sense. Give me Dallas here. John, I mean, I, I think Dallas. this. I mean, when you handicap this game, though, in fair to, I, I think this is really about how Minnesota typically plays, and and it fits more into what Dallas does defensively. They're going to get after Kirk Cousins, and I think a lot of this, if you're playing Dallas, you're saying. Kirk Cousins is going to make mistakes. He's going to get under a lot of pressure. He's going to turn this ball over. And Minnesota can't really uh, overcome those mistakes. And Dallas has got to not make those mistakes. They made them last week. And I think you can – they did a great job. Buffalo ran the ball on Minnesota, but that was all J Josh Allen runs. I mean, you can't duplicate the, the Dallas run game. I mean, excuse me, the Buffalo run game right. because it's a six-back run game. So, Josh, looking Cowboys early here in the week and also thinking Jets uh, from some of these early thoughts. I just wanted to think about and get your thoughts on, because I know you're always following market movement and you want to know what the respected uh, wise guy groups are on. It's been interesting, though, how this year uh, we've seen a lot of the sharp positions get uh, completely blown, blown up in the water. And, and last week was a great example. I mean, everybody and their brother in the sharp community was Cleveland. on the Browns, got destroyed. The other game was the Texans, a big move there against – the Giants, now you could make the case. I mean, the Texans had, what, three turnovers in uh, in the giant red zone, had a lot of opportunities to cover, ultimately didn't. But from your perspective, how do you try to balance those when you do see some situations where sharp-respected sides have completely whiffed on a higher percentage of games than sometimes you've seen in the past? Yeah, I think it's a great question here, Ben. And to me, I'm not going to you know, like focus on the trees amongst the forest. I look at it kind of an overarching standpoint because – when you look at these sharp bets, I think there's a public misconception that sharps are going to win every time. They're going to win 80, 90% of the time. No, they're going to win 55 to 60% of the time. So if you flip it the other way, they're going to lose 40 to 45% of the time. But over the long haul, they're going to be profitable because in order to overcome the juice, standard minus 110 juice, you got to win 52.38%. So if you're winning 55% to 60, you're actually a really good better. Like Billy Walters, who's known as the best sports better of all time, I read an article on him that his career win rate was like 57% which doesn't sound that impressive, but when you're betting big money and you're overcoming the juice, you're actually an incredibly successful better. So you're right, Ben. I'll give you an example. I feel like, you know, twice this year, at least, I've been betting against, uh, who is it? The um, the Baltimore Ravens, that time that they were at Tampa Bay, the time that they were at the Saints, sharp moves against them didn't come through. But then Sunday, there were a lot of sharp plays that did come through, that play toward uh, the Bucks here. You had late movement back toward the Colts. You had late movement back toward Green Bay. So I think as betters, when anytime you see a sharp play lose, I think it's like, oh, the Sharps got it wrong. They're idiots. I'm not going to listen to them. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't go that far. I would still always play the sharp side. Again, you're trying to win that 55 to 60% of the time. Don't let a bad loss kind of make you question the overall philosophy of Sharps who do win at a high rate. Well, you know, I, I was at the Borgata on Sunday, and the Sharps were all over Denver, too, partly and for good reason. I mean, look, it, it isn't who's on the game because, like you said, Sharps are wrong. We're all on different levels. And what is your strategy in the game? Like Denver, the strategy was they're, they're on Denver because Denver was miss, uh, the Tennessee was missing five starters and they played a doubleheader the week before. I get that. I understand that. To me, I like the Giants last week simply because the matchup favored the Giants that Davis Mills was going to turn the ball over against Don Martindale's blitz and that the Giants, because of their offense, could run the ball. I think it goes back to logic. Like for me, I love Miami. I love Miami early in the week. I let the I let the noise bother me on Miami. Miami was a, a hard matchup for the Browns. They could play that game ten times, 
And at three, three and a half, it's always going to be because Cleveland can't cover the matchup. You, it, at some point, you got to get away from just the the number. It's got to be the matchup. And then when those two things sync together, like San Francisco and, and, and Arizona, uh, San Francisco and and the Chargers, I thought that was perfect. The sharps were on it. It sunk. San Francisco misses field goals, two for five in the red zone. You don't cover. Yeah, that's a great point, though. The nuance here, it's, uh, Josh, I, I see you nodding. I know you, that's why you love the discussions like these, <laughs> why I wanted to bring up uh, the question. Always great to have you on these Tuesday shows, Josh, at Josh underscore insights. It's cra- we're in week 11 already, Josh. I mean, it, the time is, uh, crazy. is moving fast. And you're going to be, what, you have World Cup stuff coming up every single day starting uh, Friday. Is that right? Every four years, I bet soccer, guys. Let's get after it. Oh, yeah. We love it. All right. Actually, Sunday, first game for the World Cup. Josh, part of our coverage this year with that. Great to see Josh. We'll come back, wrap up our show next. Look at some teams in potential bounce-back spots for Week 11. Get Michael's thoughts there. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with the BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Big thanks to the entire crew today as we wrap up the Lombardi line. Andrew Ingold, our technical director. Uh, shout out Andrew. So I think he'll correct me if I'm wrong. His cousin, Alec. Alec Ingold, tight end for the Dolphins. Got a touchdown this weekend, Michael. So uh, he, Andrew's where he's got the Dolphins uh, gear. He's rocking here at Circa. 
Big weekend Love for, uh, for the Kaiser. The Wisconsin got two gotta... tickets for MVP. He's got yeah, two tickets there. for MVP, of course. Two, yeah. hey, two is four to one now. Two is rising up, uh, rising up the board. Uh, Andrew and I, we're fellow Wisconsinites. You know, us, us, uh, us guys from the Badger State, you know, we stick together. So uh, shout out, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, Mikhail Ball is Foster. Uh, Troy Kinch, Rob Moreno, all helping out here. Uh, Brian Ortega also in the house behind the scenes. We look at some of these teams, uh, Michael, looking to bounce back for week number 11 now in the NFL. Buffalo is a team that I, you know, we talk about Philadelphia and how you that was really the one game we mentioned first, thinking they will be in a very advantageous position as about a six and a half point favorite to bounce back will be a popular teaser leg down to near a pick or inside one against Indianapolis this week. What do you do, though, with Buffalo? Still the concerns. Where's Josh Allen health wise? Where is the Buffalo that psyche coming off of that devastating loss to Minnesota? They take on Cleveland. There's some weather concerns here, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But as an eight-point favorite, uh, what do you do with this Buffalo-Browns game? Well, I mean, look, you know, we know this. We know that Buffalo really struggles to defend defend the run last week, although it was one play, 81 yards. So they have been. Milano, when Milano's back, they play the run better. Okay, so, you know, we know Cleveland struggles when they has to go. The Cleveland has to go the pass. And so the other thing Cleveland struggles with is playing pass defense, Ben. And so, like, how is Cleveland covering this Buffalo team? How is Cleveland getting – I mean, Miles Garrett's great. Clowney hasn't played to the level he did last year. But how are they going to get him on the ground? How are they going to keep attached to this? As that game went on down in Miami, it played out kind of the way I thought it might in the sense that, you know, Cleveland stayed attached. And then when they made a mistake, they couldn't stop. I mean – they only, the only reason Miami didn't score on every single drive was they turned it over on downs because they refused to kick a field goal, much like they always do. So, like, I think it's a horrible matchup for for Cleveland. Their secondary is not good enough. They can they can try to play the run. They didn't even play the run well last week, and now they're playing a six back offense that I'm not sure it's conducive to them. But I have I have the line should be 11.1. The line's eight. You know, I think Buffalo is. I think. You're going to get the best of Josh Allen ever. And I think he'll go in there. And I, I think this Cleveland team isn't really where it needs to be. Watson's in the building this week. He's not going to be the savior because he can't play for two more weeks. Right. It would be the week 13 that he's eligible to return, which at that point for Cleveland, you could be you could be looking at the three and seven. You have uh, the bye coming up as well. But it's a, it's a position where – for the Browns, you give up 7.3 yards per play to Miami, an, an offense basically on par as far as explosive plays go with Buffalo. It really comes down to: Do you believe the you know the weather makes this enough of a uh, kind of a one-dimensional type position where we're expecting very high winds in Buffalo this week? Just looking at the updated forecast, we're seeing uh, snow, likely winds in the 15 to 20 mile an hour range. So a big movement this morning, Michael, here on the West Coast to the under. As we're now seeing this right. touch 43 in some spots, down from 44. It went down to 43. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd imagine this is going to keep ticking down more. And so that correlation, usually you see bets to the underdog with a low total. So this has gone from nine down to eight and a half or eight. But that's really the only – even with that, I mean, Cleveland's still bottom five against the run. Even though that's been Buffalo's weak point this year is running the football, you'd still have to think with the, with the six-back offense that you described with Buffalo – Regardless of weather, it's, it's going to be a difficult a difficult thing to try to game plan for if you're Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, because, see, the weather doesn't affect the six-back attack because it's the quarterback. Like last night, what was the first play of the game for Philadelphia? Jalen Hurts' power. They just wanted to make sure Washington know that the quarterback's in the run game. Right. They just want to make sure they know, you know. 
Like he's in the run game. We're gonna run one. We're gonna run a quarterback power. You better make sure you defend every quarterback run. Here you go. We got the first one. Same thing with Buffalo. They say they pretend that they don't want Josh Allen running, but you better defend them on every single play. And the weather, it helps. Whereas for 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 Cleveland, you know. You got to stop the outside zone. You got to penetrate. You got to force the ball back in. And I think ultimately, I think Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, I think this defense got embarrassed last week more because of the spectacular play of Justin Jefferson. Let's face it. Now, here's the other factor that I really like Buffalo in. Amari Cooper hates cold weather. He's a kid from Florida. He hates cold weather. Never really was a fan when he was at the Raiders, when he went to Dallas. Really, be, no. This is not going to be a good, good game for Amari Cooper. And the other game, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think he's a really good player, but where else are they going to get plays from? That's a really good point. And Cooper only had, even last week, three catches, 32 yards, was only targeted three times by uh, by Jacoby Brissett. And, you know, for the on, the on the Cleveland side of this, it was my big concern going into the Miami game, which was the one thing Miami's actually good at, at least decent at defensively, is stopping the run. Yet their pass defense was horrible. So you figured knowing Kevin Stefanski is a play caller, and his, for whatever reason, his love of wanting Jacoby Brissett to throw 35 to 40 times a game, you kind of figured that given the stats on the Miami defensive side, he was going to have Brissett come out and just wing it all over the place. Sure, there were some good moments early on, especially for Cleveland, but in the long run, Michael, that's not the winning formula. Like, you still have this no. two-headed monster no. running back, and Cleveland totally got away from it. It's it's big reason why I've soured so much on Stefanski over the first 11 weeks of the season and why uh, oh. Cleveland has been a massive disappointment even without Watson, a team that's still profiled to, to stay at least 500 in his absence. Well, I mean, I am too, and I'm, I'm disappointed in his decision-making going forward in his own territory against the Chargers and giving them three points, ultimately losing the game by three. You know, when, when, when not to be outdone, Staley did the same thing. You know, he was not going to – nobody's going to be more more dangerous with the team than Staley, so he was going to one-up them. But I'm with you, Ben. They have a very good first drive of the game. So you know Stefanski's a good play caller, but there's no symmetry to the play game. Like, give Washington credit. And I'm usually hard on Washington, but last night, Washington knew they couldn't play 30 minutes of defense against Philadelphia. So Washington came up with a game plan – that on paper it's going to be hard to execute, but they did. They got in a lot of third downs, you know, and they got and they converted them. They got into third and short, third and four, and they converted them. And they kept Philly from having the ball, so they complemented their defense by playing really good offense. They took advantage of situations. I never see that with with Cleveland. I right. never see Cleveland play into like that game was a game. You take the play clock down, you run the ball, you get twelve play drives, you wear Miami down. Don't let the offense get on the field. You can't cover any of those guys. I don't care if you have, uh, you know, all your secondary guys back, Denzel Ward's back. I don't care. You're not covering them. The ball comes out of two his hands too quick. There are too many short throws. You can't get pressure on them. And so, you're, you know, it's going to be hard. The best way to handle them is what Pittsburgh did. Play some zone, get him to hold the ball a second longer, and force him to have to move a little bit and offset his accuracy. And and Cleveland defensively, to me, has been one of the biggest disappointments all season. Yeah, horrific. Uh, bottom bottom five across the board in most categories this year. That it's just the classic team that, like, and you know me is is more being a numbers based guy and really wanting to look at models and games and look at the stats. Where Cleveland is a team, the numbers look great offensively. Top ten in yards per play. Top ten offensive line, both run and pass blocking. Sixth in average yards per drive on offense. But that's it's the quintessential case of. While the numbers look so good, 
it just doesn't add up over the course of 60 minutes when you think of the mismanagement and the way, at least to me, they approach the game just so obtusely, the way they, uh, the way they set things up with Stefanski leading the way there. Yeah, and they, and they take stupid risk. I mean, I know they want to be this analytically-based team, but I don't understand what analytics says. You go for it on your own 25-yard line <laughs> right. when they, all you gain from getting a first down is three more plays. That's the only guarantee you have. You know, I don't understand that. Like, it makes no sense to me whatsoever, but they continue to do it. And so, you know, for me, I, I, I've I, been really down on them. I, and the other thing I think, too, more than anything, is their lack of creativity in their run game. Like, it's all outside zone. It's like you got to have some point of attack plays, especially what what the way Miami was playing their front. you got to be able to attack it. There has to be more diversification in the run game, and it wasn't. I have to think. Uh, Buffalo down to minus two. Philadelphia down to under under a you point. Love these te- I love these I'm, teasers. I'm, just, hey, I'm more – I just tease the dogs up because all these games have been so tight this year. I mean, smallest margin yeah. of victory in the league. I, I've tried to stay away from teasing down the big favorites, but you got to think. I mean, everybody's third cousin uh, uh, and, and they're – Buffalo – Buffalo's going to be out there. I mean, yeah. Buffalo's going to be determined. I think, to me, no if they're not, then you got to really worry about them. Absolutely. Michael, great to hang out with you as always. Love Thanks, these, Ben. Love Appreciate these you. They fly by. Well, uh, we'll see, Michael. You're back Thursday. Mike Pritchard on the show with me tomorrow from Circa. Big thanks to Matt Santos and the rest of the crew as VEASAN Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw comes up next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.